You are listening to the Baby Sleep Answers Podcast, the podcast that answers all your baby sleep questions, but it's also just your friend in your ear here to let you know it's normal to struggle, it's normal to have anxiety, and it's normal to want to sleep more. I have Anya here, and I am so, so, so excited. I might have mispronounced your name again, um, but you can tell us your name. And also, if we want to start just with this, can you start, just tell me what inspired your journey? Like, how did you become the baby reflex lady? Yeah, well, Andrea, thank you for having me. And you got it right. It's Anya Homer. Um, just a, a weird little Irish name. <laughs> but I think like most people in this business, it was never on my plan to be an infant reflux specialist of any sort. Right. Children um, <laughs> had very different ideas. Um, so 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago, became a mum. Life changed, as it does, when mm-hmm. you're a mum, but beyond recognition. And within I think within 16 hours was when I first really felt oh my goodness I've made a mess of my life (laughs) I recognize Um, that yeah I felt like such a failure in the hospital that night couldn't get my baby to feed properly couldn't get her to sleep all she wanted to do was be on my breast and anytime I put her down in the crib to sleep she would wake within five minutes all night the midwives in the hospital were very unhelpful um and it's like i really started to break that very first night we continued a journey where i was told i had a colicky baby i was told oh she just babies just cry you've got a particularly quingy baby um it's all normal never was reflux mentioned until i did a spot of uh, internet searching i know there are other search engines but google was my favorite at the time (laughs) I think I must have scrolled to like page 17 of the results <laughs> that described my baby. It was an Australian website. I was like, she has silent reflux. And silent reflux, for anybody listening, is when baby has the regurgitation from the stomach into the, into the esophagus or into the food pipe, but it doesn't come up as far as the mouth or as vomit. So you might see baby swallowing a lot, but there's no vomiting. So therefore, it's very often missed. Mm-hmm. Um, at five months, I went to the doctor and said, oh, I think my baby's got silent reflux. He was like, yeah, it sounds like it. I'm like, what do we do? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. We hoped that solids would change things. It made things worse. And things were pretty bad as it was. Uh, she was nine months when I was introduced to cow's milk protein allergy by a friend. I cut out dairy that day. Started to see a little bit of a change, but not consistent. I was well in the depths of depression at this stage. and my background was engineering like i'm an engineer by trade i'm also a traditional chinese medicine um acupuncturist and life and my careers taught me to always ask why is this happening why is this happening why is this happening yes on every layer until you get to an answer where you're like i can do something about that and the doctors weren't able to help me they were like oh just some babies get reflux you know there's no reason why they get reflux they just get it and i fundamentally refuse to believe that yeah so i just did what i knew i could do which was track everything (laughs) and you mean everything i do (laughs) and so in that like i went back into my happy days of being a data monkey you know forty-seven thousand lines on an excel spreadsheet and i'm happy um but i was able to start seeing Oh, when I eat potatoes, she's even worse. And when she has quinoa, 
she's really bad and it's like okay but it didn't make sense so i got to a stage where i was able to eat a few foods i never tell anybody what they were because i don't want any human on the planet to have to live on only three foods yeah so i did that for about three weeks and had a fabulous fabulous child who was stitching her sleep cycles together she was going she'd gone from like making maybe waking seven or eight times a night when the wake-ups would be an hour to an hour and a half or two or three of them to, to try and get her back to sleep to she was waking twice or three times a night and it was moments to settle her back mm-hmm. um and for me i needed to know well why is this what is going on uh, so long story short google became my best friend had always been my best friend during these days these days <laughs> And I found a key piece of research from the World Health Organization published in 1990 about the physiology of the of infant feeding. And it described in it digestive development. I'm like, oh, this makes sense. So my baby's digestive system is not as mature as mine. Well, light bulb moment. So I started to understand, well, what's the chemical composition of foods like at the micro level? oh i could pick out what foods she's going to react to and not react to and i started experimenting with great success by this time she was 15 16 months old or something we decided to have another baby on the hope that well we now knew how to deal with reflux and when she was born she came into the world going yeah mom you Mm -hmm. don't know half of what you need to know yet yeah so she had a tongue tie and multiple allergies, like sulfite allergy and a mild nut allergy. And uh, we had to go through a, um, having her tonsils out when she was four oh. with, you know, the surgeon saying, yeah, you get these kids in life that you operate on that you'll never forget. And I'm really sad to say your child is one of them. Oh. Like her tonsils were so stuck together. I'm surprised she was able to breathe. Wow. And so like I never, ever stopped learning. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been living with reflux and looking after reflux and I continue to learn. And when I get a client who's like, we've done everything, it's like, okay, let's <laughs> really see. Have you done everything? Have you done everything that somebody else has told you? Have you done everything that you think you do need to do? Or have you truly done everything, but maybe done things in the wrong order? Right. Because, you know, I, I wrote a post today. It's about, um, you know, if you make a cup of tea, if you don't put the tea bag in the cup, you're not going to get a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And these are the little details that in making a cup of tea, people go, well, of course you put the cup under where you're going to pour the water. But what if you just mixed up the order and you poured the water and then you got the cup in the right place? You're not going to get a cup of tea. Right. Um, so that's pretty much what I do is I look at what's going on for any child. Um, you know, it was... It was three years after my first child was born when I finally decided it was time to escape the trap of postnatal depression. And it was because I had learned so much. A friend of mine had said, you need to write a book because you know so much. I'm like, really, really? (laughs) Can I? And then, of course, I wrote a book. And that was, you know, if I can help anybody else in the world not go through what we went through, this will be a game changer. And I worked with over 10,000 clients through private you know, one-to-ones and courses and book sales and stuff over the last five years. 
been an absolute game changer for so many people. Yeah, I mean, I got your book. I was telling you this before we started. Um, I got it after I'd figured out um, and I spent thousands of dollars and we don't like to spend money. We don't like to spend money at all. And we spend thousands of dollars with different professionals, many of whom would not look into things. You know, I talked about this in my last podcast, but we went to an allergist and I told him the few things that weren't, you know, she could handle. And he, the first thing he said was, well, you really shouldn't limit a child that much. They really need a varied nutrition. And I almost, I started crying. I said, I know. I've just been noting everything that hurts her. And these are the few foods that don't hurt her. And there's just so many medical professionals that will not believe you. You know, with my first, when he had reflux, they just said, oh, he's fine. He'll outgrow it. When he did not grow it, I begged for an ENT referral because in the States you have to get a referral. And they finally gave it to me. They put a little um, camera down his nose into his throat. He hated the experience, obviously just told me oh right it does look a little inflamed maybe he does have reflux you know this was after me telling him he was up screaming every few hours I couldn't tell why and they said all right well if you really want to we can give you some medicine and it was uh, I forget what it's called but I said I don't really want to but if you were telling me as a medical professional is the only thing we can possibly do I'll do it and then three months later it was recalled for being carcinogenic oh remissioning and I yep and I was like, okay, I can't give it to him. And they said, well, we can do a different one. I said, no, I can't. I can't give him another medicine. I have this gut feeling that that's not making it any better. It's just appeasing the symptom. Um, yeah. And so I kept looking for more things. And that's, um, and you know, we figured out it was CMPA and something else. And then there was more things to it. But I appreciate the way you handle reflux because I think a lot of people just need that so bad just to figure out what is wrong at the very, very basis of it, like you were saying. Because otherwise we just told, you know, babies have colic, they'll outgrow it. And sometimes they do outgrow it, but at what cost? And other times they really don't outgrow it and they're just hurting their stomach more and more and more. And I don't know if this is the case with you. A lot of clients lately I see because they won't sleep after COVID covid hits and then their gut is just destroyed but the parents have no idea this is a thing and so they just think you know we made some bad habits because we helped them during covid and i always want to tell them no that's not the case your baby you can never make a bad habit from helping your baby too much when they need you exactly um but let's go get into it then as well just very very basic as i mentioned maybe i'll have you on for a more in-depth um episode later but what are the top signals that your baby has reflux? You know, because you go to the doctor and they say, well, not spitting up, they're gaining weight, so you're fine, but you know better. <laughs> yeah, so this is the trickiest question to answer. And this is why the medics find it so difficult mm-hmm. to diagnose or do anything really helpful with reflux is because reflux actually is not a disease. Thank you. Okay. Even though gastroesophageal reflux disease, they add the word on disease <laughs> when, and the official differentiation between gore and gourd or gur and gourd, depending which side of the Atlantic you're on, <laughs> is simply that the disease version causes marked distress. Now, <laughs> the fact that they don't have any test, you know, if somebody has cancer, which is a disease, there is many tests that demonstrate, you know, there are blood markers, there are presence of tumors, there are physical signs and things for every single patient who has cancer in order to get the diagnosis. It's very clear. With reflux, there isn't. Mm-mm. Some will say it's because baby has a weak lower esophageal valve. 
It's not. Some will say it's because baby's overproducing acid in the stomach. It's not. What we need to do is reclassify it as a symptom. Mm -hmm. Reflux happens because something else is happening first. So, for example, many babies um, swallow too much air. That overstretches their stomach so that when the stomach does its churning, there's nowhere for the stomach contents to go apart from up through the upper, the, the lower esophageal valve. So, because it's just overfull, it's stretched like a completely full balloon. Right. Now, thankfully, the valve at the top of the stomach is supposed to be a two-way valve. It's not because of the weakness in it that babies get reflux. If, if you had um, an, a lower esophageal valve that was truly a one-way valve, only one direction, you would not burp, you would not hiccup, you would not vomit. And these are important physiological processes for our bodies for life. So the ability of our body to reflux and to regurgitate is normal, but it's not normal to do it constantly. Mm -hmm. So the biggest symptom for any parent out there is, first of all, ask yourself, do you believe your baby is more unsettled than they should be? Yeah. And then go into, well, why? Are they throwing up lots? Are they bringing up lots of milk? Um, what is their sleep patterns like? What is the, are they able to feed comfortably from breast and or bottle? Um, are they able to sleep with their mouth closed? Mm -hmm. Are they uh, struggling with digestive upset? You know, are they bringing their knees up? Do they have lots of trapped gas and wind? Do they constipation or diarrhea? Do they have any eczema, any skin irritations? There are over 80 different symptoms and behaviors that I look at for every single child I work with in order to put this picture together. It's like doing a jigsaw. Yeah. We need to have all the pieces on the table before we can go, oh, okay, we can put some of these together. You might be lucky and get a few key pieces together. And then those three, you know, those three or four key pieces, you can reference back to the cover of the jigsaw and go, oh, I know where these ones go and in what orientation. And, you know, I do have, for anybody who wants it, I do have a free symptoms tracker so that it's great. you don't have to think about what do I need to look for. I, I tell you, this is what you need to look for. Yeah, and that's on your Instagram uh, and your website, yeah. right? I'll put those yeah. both in the description of this podcast. Um, that's really great, yeah, because, you know, we only think of reflux as, okay, they're spitting up a lot. But there's so many other things that tell you that something is wrong with a baby. So that's yeah. that's great. Um, okay, so let's say a mom, a friend, not your client, just a friend tells you that they went to the doctor, but, you know, doctor says they have colic. We just have to wait it out. Um, what can, what should, what would you tell them? My, my thing, I always kind of freeze up because I'm not, I don't have all this research behind me, but I want to say, no, colic is not a thing. We don't just have to let babies suffer. Um, just yeah. because we haven't figured out what it is. What do you, how do you approach that conversation? The very same way as reflux. So, the 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 best way to address it and ask the person for me is to say okay if you had the symptoms your baby is struggling with would you be happy with the answers you've been given right as in hang on i can't sleep and for four hours every evening i'm in tremendous pain and the key the key symptom for 99 percent of babies with colic is when they pass gas they relax. Right. That's telling us that there's too much gas in their digestive system. 
And then we go, well, where is that coming from? Why is it there? Can we release it or can we prevent it? Right. And again, this is where that whole symptoms tracker is all about going through again, going back, seeing what is going on and how do we address that underlying cause? It's not normal for babies to have excess gas in their stomach. And we get some kids who drink it. We get other kids whose digestive maturity doesn't allow the complete uh, digestion of the food they're eating and instead it ferments. And so we need to understand why that's happening in the fermentation process produces hydrogen as a byproduct. And so we have a source of gas in the intestines themselves. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's just some, so much, there's so much that it could be, um, you know, one of the more popular, I think to say the word is probably CMPA, um, sensitivity. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this was a thing until it was for us, this mom having a leaky gut and then giving a baby leaky gut. I mentioned uh, COVID now. What are the top reasons, most common reasons baby has reflux? Because I know, you're, you know, there's a million and every kid is different. I never want to just overgeneralize what happens, but what do you see the most? You know, if someone's trying to figure it out, you know, they don't have a budget. Most, uh, most common are digestive maturity challenges, which are completely normal, which I'll go into in a moment a little bit more, and oral dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And I say oral dysfunction, not just as tongue tie or lip tie or cheek ties, because it's not always just the ties. It could be that um, during birth, for example, they had they experienced a bit of trauma. It may not even have been perceived as traumatic. But maybe when they're coming out of the birth canal, their jaw was misaligned a little bit. And so now their face doesn't work completely aligned because their jawbone is a little bit out of shape. You know, I've often I ask clients for videos and things like that and photographs before consultation. They'll often see a baby crying and their, their jaw goes sideways when they open it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a clear indication that there is muscle imbalance from one side of the body to the other. So they're not going to be able to feed properly. They're not going to be able to move their tongue properly. So rebalancing what's going on for them on a structural nervous level can be really, really beneficial. Um, And then with the digestive maturity, and I go back to what your allergist said, you know, in that we shouldn't limit what a child is eating. I disagree. (laughs) We need to manage what children are eating because very often the foods they're eating or the foods that we offer them they're not ready to digest Mm -hmm. there is this assumption in the world that the moment a child gets to six months they can suddenly eat everything around them you know feed them from your plate is what we're told in the uk now the truth of the matter is that's a bit like saying oh your baby's rolled over stick them on a bike let them go cycle without stabilizers Mm -hmm that is not going to happen because on the outside we can see the progression of a baby getting to walking they have to figure out they got limbs they've got to be able to push themselves up onto their arms roll themselves over sit up hold themselves up tall some will bum shuffle some will crawl eventually they'll pull themselves up balance and walk and we don't mind that this maturity curve can be anywhere between 9 and 19 months and still considered normal the digestive systems on the inside of the body and we tend to ignore its developmental curve but it can happen in the same way as the external one and the place that we should measure it as parents 
is at the very beginning of the digestive system, which is our baby's teeth. Because the teeth grow and come in in line with how the internal organs, the stomach and the pancreas particularly, start to produce and change the digestive enzymes that they're producing at any one time. Oh, wow. And babies are designed to eat a load of really good, healthy fats. Fats actually are the only nutrient of all the micro and macronutrients on the earth. Fats are the only nutrient that the World Health Organization says healthy fats should not be limited in children under two. Hmm. And the reason that is, is because the brain is doing its fastest physical building growth in those first two years of life and the brain is 70% fatty tissue hmm. so this is where our children can get their most energy sources and look after the brain and look after their you know physically building the brain which then looks after everything else in the body and it's when they're about two that they then start to switch to using glucose to use the brain rather than just focusing on building it Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> That's, I mean, I have a lot of people asking me why do, why did my baby suddenly sleep worse now that we started solids? Um, and I always refer them to their doctor or dietitian for that because I do know, you know, the, the, the body's doing something different and so that might be part of it or might be digestive things, but I don't know exactly what to say. So Yeah, so. and I will, I will add that I have not yet met a doctor or a dietitian on this earth <laughs> who has read any of the body of research which is summarized in that world health organization paper which is why you know there's a, a considerable section of the book explaining what foods to feed babies um and like you know there's online courses weaning courses, and that of well what foods should we choose to support baby's growth and what are the right times to introduce the more complex foods as they mature right a personal question how how complex is rice <laughs> super complex okay because my my baby cannot handle it yet and that was the first one i realized it was rice yeah. um but you know no one ever people even doubted me when i said that they said no one's allergic to rice um so that's interesting just a little bit of self-validation thrown in there <laughs> for yeah. myself um no this is this is great stuff um one second i'm not i mean obviously i'm the sleep expert here out of the two of us um but you know when people go to their doctor and say, I think my baby has reflux. How do I make sleep better? You know, the typical answer is just your doctor is going to tell you to hold your baby upright for 30 minutes after every feed. And, you know, personally, me doing that with my kids never helped. That was never, never something that helped us. But I know it must help in some situations. And that's probably where they got it from. What do you say to this piece of advice? So it, if it works, keep using it. However, let's look at what a child human should be able to do what's normal is that a child physiologically is designed humans were designed to be able to eat and drink lying down safely so you know would you be happy having a drink of water while you're in bed at night and then you're oh no i've got to sit up for another 30 minutes down before <laughs> lie down and go back to sleep right <laughs> it's not we have to ask why even if it's if it's helping why is it helping mm -hmm. because it's not a normal process typically it's because baby's stomach is overfull. it could be with air it could be with the milk itself 
Um, it could be complicated if babies on the medications like a meprazole or a prevacid or any of those uh, gastric acid suppression medications because they mean food and milk stays in the stomach longer than it otherwise would do because it needs a much longer time to be digested properly before it can go into the intestines to continue its journey of digestion and absorption. So what often happens is that even with babies feeding every three or four hours, the last meal hasn't left their stomach by the time we put the next meal in. Mm. And so they're filling up and filling up. And by the end of the day, they're literally spilling. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a number of things we need to look at. And this is why it's such a personal journey. Yeah. The process, the process that we go through is the same. Find the symptoms, figure out the pattern, uh, use that to tell the underlying cause, take specific action to address that. That process is always the same. Right. But the actions at each stage might be different. So different, so different. Time. There's so many. I mean, with two child, I just had two kids with reflux and they were so completely different yeah. um, in what was causing it. Um, you mentioned two medicines. Uh, I have a lot of clients that tell me, you know, we've been on this medicine, but it, it sleep still sucks. You know, we're doing the 30 minutes in the medicine and it's not working. And so I, you know, because of my experience, I'll gently suggest that they look deeper into the root. But what are your thoughts on the different medicines that are available and given out to parents a lot? So typically, typically the journey of medication starts with something like gavascon, which is it forms a rat on the top of the stomach and tries to make it harder for baby's body to regurgitate and vomit the, the stomach contents. Now, that also contributes to constipation in somewhere between 70 and 90% of babies, even though constipation is not listed as a side effect of the medication. Um, and it can also increase flatulence and gas in the gut because it's now, that in the last year, they've added uh, mannitol as a sweetener in it, into it. Then we usually step up and go to a PPI medication. So I know in the US, the, the guys over there use a drug called famotidine as a replacement for the ranitidine that was recalled in 2019. Famotidine is not allowed to be prescribed to children under 12 in Europe. Yeah. So we have these imbalances of what's allowed and what's not. So we don't really have this histamine 2 receptor antagonist class of medication being used in the UK and Europe anymore. We definitely have it in the US. But between the H2RAs and the really popular ones of the PPI medications, so these are anything where the active ingredient ends in prazole. So we've got emeprazole, esomeprazole, often called Nexium, um, Prevacid, I think, is Lansoprazole. We've got Pantoprazole, Revoprazole. We've got a number of them. What they do, these two classes of medications, they reduce the acidity of the stomach that the stomach contents this has an impact on how baby is able to break down the foods they are eating and this is the milk they are drinking as well just because something is liquid doesn't mean it doesn't need further digestion before it gets absorbed into the body it really really does so it inhibits the fat digestion capability and i, I spoke earlier about fats being really important in the first few years of life mm -hmm. stomach con uh, stomach acid levels really directly impacts fat absorption it also reduces calcium absorption it reduces magnesium capsule absorption and both of these are the impact and the reason why in 2017 the american association of pediatrics published uh, or did a report 
about the link between any use of either PPI or H2RA in infancy being connected with a 23% increased risk of fractures later in childhood. And if a child used both medications, that risk went up to 32%. Wow. Now, calcium is a pretty important mineral for bone density and bone growth. Yeah. So, you know, they're asking the question, well, why does it happen? Well, these really vital nutrients are not able to be absorbed properly. There's a whole lot of other nutritional deficiencies that can go with these medications. And I'm not, I will say, I'm not totally against the medications. The medications can play a really, really important role in easing pain and protecting the esophagus from esophageal uh, damage, mm -hmm. which has its own long-term risks. However, there should be a review of medications every six weeks. Like the manufacturers of these medications say the medications should not be used for more than six weeks at a time and for no more than three courses per year. The majority of the people I speak to have had months. no reviews months. when they on these medications, sometimes well over a year. Yep. We're not using the break in symptoms to go, right, well, what's causing the reflux and how to address that? Mm -hmm. um, there are very few cases where the medications are the answer. Actually, less than 20% of parents out of a, a survey of over 1,500 parents, less than 20% told me that the medications gave an improvement of eight, of eight out of 10 or greater in their baby. Yeah. We'd about 80% getting like, kind of helped too many, I think another 20% where it made things worse. Yeah. And the answer from the doctors and pediatricians is, oh, they need to be on it longer or we need to increase the dose. Yep. Is that, no. No baby was ever born with a pharmacological deficiency. Hmm. So why do we just answer these, you know, these troubled and, and uncomfortable and suffering children with, oh, they need a pill. They don't need a pill. They need us to listen to what they're trying to tell us. Right. No, I love that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I shared that that's what happened with our first, uh, first reflux case. They put them on, a, on Ritidin, Ritid, what was it called? Renitidine until it was, you know, recalled for being carcinogenic and then they try to put yeah. a PPI. But luckily that's when we found other things that worked for him. Um, okay, let's close up because you're getting water. Your throat must be tired. <laughs> um, I like to ask this question to everyone that comes on the podcast just as a fallback kind of thing. If you could go back in time, you know, when you were at, in the middle of it, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself that I know more than anybody else about my baby. <laughs> I love that. You are the foremost expert on your baby and you need to listen to your gut. 100%. And the best way to use everybody else that you talk to is like an interview process. Mm -hmm. You know, switch the tables. You're the expert on your baby and they know about bits where you need to get a little bit more information. I like that. And I even say that to my clients. Don't take what I say and just do it. Take what I say, go, yeah, that that makes sense. I'm going to try that. If it works, brilliant, keep it. If it doesn't work, leave it behind. And do that with everyone. Because as a parent, it's our job to survey the village and then go and can take that bit and that bit and that bit and that bit and all of these bits from different people and go, that's the unique solution for my child. 
I like that. I like that a lot. That's how I approach sleep as well. So I appreciate that. Mm. Um, actually, I do have one more question I forgot to say. Besides, you know, looking at your Instagram, which is huge. Um, besides getting your book, which I recommend a thousand percent. I own a physical copy of it. What should a parent do when they have? What's the first thing you sh- you think a sh- someone should do when their kid is crying at night? I mean, I, I'm trying to find something <laughs> that people can take away of this if they don't have the budget. My, one of my things is to be, a, you know, I don't want money all the time. We want to help. Yeah. Um, what can someone do when they think their baby has reflux? What's the first step the, they can take? The first step is get the free symptoms tracker on my website because that is a, it's not just a list of symptoms. It's a list of everything that's going on and talking about how you measure the frequency and the intensity and how do you look at those symptoms that are to get you thinking where you should put your focus mm-hmm. because you can be overwhelmed going oh my goodness like there's so much is like well where are the ones that we really should focus on and you know and then go back to you know there's blogs there's loads of information on my instagram i've had people you know just for example babies who are formula fed stop shaking the bottle Mm-hmm. stop shaking the milk because that puts air into the milk and air intake is a huge problem when it comes to babies with reflux look at conscious dummy use don't just or a pacifier don't just plug the pacifier into baby's mouth use it when it's helping them but mm-hmm. don't use it when it's not because with that they might take on even more air again you know i've had clients who went out of the house forgot to bring the pacifier with them one day and they're like oh my goodness we've got a different child <laughs> <laughs> because he wasn't drinking air all day yeah that's that's wow <laughs> it can be the simple things i had another client about that blog where i talk about um preparing the milk differently i had another client she, I, I call her a client she's not a client she was somebody who read my instagram read the blog her baby was 15 months old and had been on medication for 12 months <gasps> she experimented with how she was preparing his milk she's like and she messaged me going i can't believe it wow like it his reflux stopped instantly because i didn't want to message you too soon so <laughs> i shook a few bottles his reflux came back i stopped shaking them it went away yeah. like we don't we don't know what is the game changer for right. any child however when we understand the symptoms and what we're trying to tackle yeah we can get far closer to guessing the right answer rather than just going, oh, I'm going to try that and try that and try that and try that. Because it, otherwise you're in perpetual hope that tomorrow's going to be the day baby's going to magically wake up without reflux. Yeah. It doesn't happen like that. Really doesn't. So we need to understand, and it doesn't have to, but where should we put our focus? Put our focus on that and take one step at a time. I love that. I love that so much. Also, because it resonates with, you know, people reach out to me like, I didn't know just stretching awake window 10 minutes would make a huge difference you know people reach out what course should i get and a lot of times you don't need a course you just need to find one little thing um yeah and it's hard when you're on your own you're looking everywhere for answers um so i'm glad you exist and i will definitely link all of your links down there i appreciate your time so much especially because it's so late where you are it's like almost 10 o'clock and i can't imagine being up at 10 (laughs) o'clock or past 10 o'clock for you sneak peek for all the listeners i've arrived at the interview in my pajamas (laughs) (laughs) i told her it was no video so perfect um appreciate your time so so much on everything you're doing online and obviously in your network so thank you so much for your time here 
That's wonderful. Thank you very much for the opportunity to speak. Um, and yeah, if you do want to have a more in-depth conversation, I'm always available to chat. Awesome. I think I will. I might even ask uh, listeners to leave their questions. Maybe we can do kind of a yeah. Q&A, um, which would be really helpful. Thank you so yeah. much. No problem. Be sure to check out all of her links. Amazing content there. And of course, as always, if you want to sign up for Baby Sleep Tips by Age, just click on my link, babysleepanswers.com slash podcast. I hope you have the best sleep tonight.